0: A week ago, I awoke to find that my mother was missing and she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Minecraft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes. The famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers.
1: Enola. where's
0: your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. Tis I, Andrew. (laughs) your host and hello and welcome to step and repeat a weekly movies and award show podcast and in honor of our feature film of the week and holmes whose trailer you just heard at the top of the episode we are asking the question what famous character would you most like to see a spin-off series featuring their younger sister matt do you have an answer
1: i do did you know shortly after the Battle of Hogwarts, Harriet Potter attended
0: (laughs) school in her brother's footsteps. That's amazing. (laughs) I don't know why that never crossed my mind as a possible option, but that's perfect.
1: I'm writing a whole fan fiction on it as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Harriet
0: Potter (laughs) the Chamber of Following in My Brother's Footsteps. Well, since uh, J.K. Rowling is, like, no longer an our oh, yeah. like, maybe you could be the new J.K. Rowling.
1: Just no, I don't know.
0: No, no. on the whole thing.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't want to say anything to be canceled. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That would be... Uh, Harriet Potter.
0: Harriet Potter. Oh my I God, really don't funny. even know where that story would go. That would change the whole universe. It was like yep. this is such a soap opera. It's yes. Like, maybe like Voldemort went in to kill Harriet. Little did they know that Lily was pregnant. <laughs> if
1: yes, birth, she gave birth. birth before right. <laughs> she was dying.
0: <laughs> and
1: James know. is not the father.
0: Oh, is it like Loomis or something? It's Snape. What? Yeah. This is oh, this is good. Oh my god. Good, right? This is fanfic like Yeah. So I'm here for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um Stay Tuned should be released in uh summer 2021 just before The Winds of Winter.
0: <laughs> I mean, please. This- <laughs> summer 2021 you are being yeah. generous <laughs> for the winds of winter coming out that soon sure
1: yeah <laughs> it's game of Thrones still a thing yeah like do, do we forget about
0: it oh my gosh I,
1: if those last two books don't come out like i don't think anybody like would even be surprised
0: <laughs> i think i think at least book six will come out
1: yeah we'll see
0: about book seven. I don't know if people can wait ten years. It's been it's been ten years since the last one.
1: I don't know if George R.R. R. Martin can afford to wait ten years.
0: Oh my gosh. <sighs> he said when so, uh, quarantine started happening, he said he hunkered down and started writing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Started writing <laughs> a spin-off. Um, so Andrew, what would your uh
0: Oh my gosh. I was like stalling because mine's not as good as Harriet Potter. Uh, <laughs> you like Harriet. I do like Harriet. <laughs> uh, mine was as if like Jay Gatsby had a younger sister. Oh. That's who I thought.
1: No, I I thought you were gonna yeah, go yeah. I thought you were gonna go with James Bond. <laughs>
0: oh so like right before we started recording we were like talking about our icebreaker question and matt's like i think i know what yours is going to be and i was like i doubt it (laughs) Um, but uh uh you thought i was going to go jason that would be cool too um
1: just with like no time to die coming up
0: oh yeah 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 Yeah. um no just i picked jay gatsby because he's like He's so mysterious, and we barely know anything about his, like, backgrounds and, like, life. And we know he kind of, like, grew up poor. So, like, what if he had this kid sister? Sorry if, like, all the Gatsby fans, if they're going to correct me and say that he did have a sister. It's,
1: her name is, is uh, Kay Gatsby? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: the, the greater Gatsby.
1: <laughs> yes. The greatest Gatsby. The greatest, <laughs> greatest Gatsby.
0: <laughs> Gatsby. Yeah.
1: Well, what would the story entail?
0: Oh, I don't know. Just like it's about them growing up like poor. She becomes like rich too, and then maybe she blackmails Jay Gatsby into something, um, and then maybe he like tries to woo her uh, like he did with Daisy, and then she reveals like right before that they're siblings.
1: Ooh. I'm intrigued. Let's get it done.
0: <laughs> all right. K well that's our icebreaker. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, Kay and Harry, <laughs> they can team up and have their own series. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's our little icebreaker. So I guess we'll move on to uh, Segment or just our, our penultimate segment. Um, what are you watching so, Penultimate
0: Well, and do, you know what, features- do you know what that word means?
1: Well, our feature segment is our ultimate finale. I
0: I don't know. Penultimate means second to last.
1: Yeah, it is second to last. It's a second to last segment.
0: Well, we have like our outro and our next stuff. Anyway, yeah.
1: Uh... (laughs) Poor choice of words on my part. So uh, anyway, uh, this week, again, Andrew and I have have the same, uh, what are you watching? and we're gonna discuss our takes on the Emmys from last week, last weekend, last Sunday. So.
0: You, um, uh, I was gonna segue into something that you mentioned in your icebreaker question.
1: Oh,
0: oh, Harriet. Because I know about Harriet, Uh, because when we were talking about like, or when I mentioned like J.K. Rowling, you were like, I don't wanna get canceled. (laughs) uh, Damon Lindelof, when he was accepting uh, the Emmy for Best Limited Series for Watchmen. Uh, in his speech, like have the line like, "Stop worrying about what's gonna get you canceled, and start uh, worrying about what's gonna get you renewed." So
1: yeah,
0: that was one of the the lines of the night that stuck with me. So
1: it's a good line. I thought you were gonna say that um, Zendaya should play Harriet, Harriet Potter.
0: Harriet Potter. Uh, no, but she might be playing. Uh, the little girl in Kill Bill three, because uh, she's got Vivica A. Fox's blessing.
1: Yes, we'll see. We'll see if that movie even happens. I, 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 like uh, I don't think it's gonna
0: happen either. But, uh, but I, I don't know why.
1: Bill's already dead.
0: Yeah, spoiler alert. I know, but if the, if there would be one person who I'm like, okay, yes, that person should play it's Zendaya. So, <laughs> yeah. um. Anyway, yes, I am. Over the moon about Zendaya.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably the big take. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I didn't watch Shit's Creek, so I like that was like half the the night anyway. So I'm, I was kind of bored with that. Um, even though I probably should watch Shit's Creek, but I was, I was more happy. I think Zendaya was like the highlight for me, and yeah. Watchmen too, obviously.
0: Um. Okay, I want to talk about both of those. So like. One, Zendaya, um, since that was like also the highlight for me. um, I was, that was, it's like such a competitive category too. And uh, it's this perfect sort of example of somebody who you expect maybe not even to get nominated and then, then ends up in the nominations. And then, actually, because they show up in the nominations, has a shot of winning. And then she won. It's like the same thing with like presidential primaries. Like award season, it's like similar to presidential primaries. As like, if you get the nomination, you can change the race completely. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but like, it's a it's its own fight to get the nomination, and then it's another fight to win. So. Um, The end, like, Zendaya getting in there, getting in the nomination, just, like, completely changed the whole makeup of the category of best actress in a drama, and then won, and so I would literally, like, jump to the ceiling. Uh, She's the youngest winner ever in the history of the category, so uh, it just, like, felt really good um, because it was, like, a surprise, and... Zendaya is like a likable person so like everyone's like happy that one's like even if people don't watch Euphoria like they're like happy Zendaya has an Emmy so um so no one is like upset at this and it was just like kind of like this like perfect thing and like I would have voted for Zendaya if I was an Emmy voter because um, I'm on the record of my love for her in the in the show so
1: yeah, yeah, the sure show. I'm glad you got me into the show because I, I like, was honestly like one of the greatest shows like I've ever seen, and I'm shocked that it wasn't nominated for more.
0: Um, it had it had a great track record at, at the Emmys, like better than most. It was nominated for five and won three. It won best, um, essentially what is the equivalent of best original song in but in television category Um, and it won for best makeup because like if Euphoria didn't win for best makeup, there is no hope for the world.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So. But it wasn't um, even nominated for drama series.
0: No, and like, so the reason why like Euphoria is such a tough sell is because like you have to, for awards purposes, is like, you have to think about like the voting body and the voting body tends to be older euphoria is a very dark show about teenagers like 16 and 17 year olds like doing hard drugs like fentanyl and like having copious amounts of sex like um and just like generally being depressed about life and like that's a hard show to sell to parents and i've heard from like Anecdotally, but like I've heard from like people who are just like I I I can't like watch something like that. It just like gives them too much anxiety because essentially what they're doing is they're thinking about their own kids, and they're like I can't think about my kids like that. So um, so it's it turns them off in a sort of way, Uh, and um, so that's why it's like a tough sell to an Emmy voter who has kids like in that. Um, in that right, but because, like, I was talking about how popular Zendaya is, like, and she's especially popular with Gen Z, the kids are watching it, like, the younger people are watching it, and, like, if the younger people are watching it, like, inevitably that buzz seeps up to the parental level and, like, the parents start to hear about it, and then they, like, watch it, and then vote on it, and then she ends up winning so that's how these things happen
1: yeah um, it's just yeah yeah so but, like but, it was all but the handmade sale, sale. Is okay
0: yeah yeah um so but like there's not it's not my actual um one of my criticisms of like the handmade sales like it's a little bit too on the nose in some sort of way it's like we get it um mm-hmm. euphoria is Funny, like legitimately, like has funny moments. Like *The Handmaid's Tale* is very dark, humorless. Yeah. Um. So, um, *Euphoria* is by design is like very much a show about feelings, and this is why like it's subjected around teenagers because it's like this this like feeling of everything that you do, like carries this like weight of importance around you and you're hyper alert about everything which is like why drugs is such like a heavy focus around euphoria plot so um so i love like that aspect that hyper it's in a way it's not it's the opposite of realism it's like it's purely based on like emotion and i love that about euphoria so Um, yes, I'm super thrilled, super thrilled, uh, though we probably won't get season. We definitely won't get season two until well into 2021. So almost two years after (laughs) the original.
1: For a while. I just think like I was actually like looking up before we started talking about this, just like how much the contenders and the Emmys have changed just like in 10 years, like like if you just look at the like the Emmys ten years ago, like how much different it was. It's just Do you like remember
0: when like the show Monk won like best comedy like six years hmm. ago. How yeah. many you know talk about the show Monk? To yeah, no one.
1: Yeah, so. I mean like I like the only in recent memory one of of course like some of the biggest shows like to win like have been like network TV like Lost and The West Wing. And now it's all it's moved to everything streaming netflix hbo um thousands of different channels
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, but, netflix did not do well like no at all. they got the most nominations um but it's kind of like bang for your buck so it's like it's basically like a netflix versus hbo uh battle and um, Netflix has a gazillion shows. Like, yeah, I call
1: it Netflix fatigue.
0: Yeah, because
1: like- It is real.
0: It's, there's no possible way you can watch every single thing on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So large, um, whereas HBO is more targeted in their um, strategy and like original programming on HBO, um, is only on two nights, and up until recently, it was only on one night. It was only on mm-hmm. two nights, and now they've done Monday nights. They've added Monday nights to that lineup. But like, so like when the nominations were announced, it was like, oh, Netflix has more nominations than HBO. But guess what? HBO walked away with the best drama series, and they walked away with best limited series, and they walked away with the most awards, um, and they have fewer shows. So like. They won, <laughs> like, yeah. much better than Netflix, because they... Yeah. And if
1: you would have told me 10 years ago... Be that,
0: better.
1: Yeah, if you would have told me 10 years ago that limited series or miniseries was going to be like the new hit thing, I would have said you're great. Do you know 10 years ago, the 2010 Emmys, do you know how many nominees there were for miniseries? How many? Two. The Pacific and Return to Cranford on PBS.
0: Never heard of that second one. Yeah. We love the Pacific. Uh. Yeah.
1: So it was like, it was just, it was like just the Pacific's category. So it's just, it's crazy how far like the Emmys have come. Like that the, like the limited series is like the new huge, like Watchmen is like, it's like Emmys night. Like it's like Emmys is like Watchmen's night. So I
0: prefer, I prefer limited series now to, uh, to regular series because I know what I'm watching is a complete story mm-hmm. like it's more than a movie so like I know I'm getting like eight episodes of full-fledged and thought-out characters and especially as TV series seasons are getting shorter um and don't have an end like you you never know if it's going to end especially on netflix where they just like up and cancel them after three or four seasons i know um so like you never like you never know what you're getting kind of with a full series but like with a limited series like you know you can get invested in these characters enough to care about them and you get a soul a full story and it's not as much as a commitment because like the streaming era has brought like you said fatigue like there's just too much so i'm much more hesitant to start a new series now because like i wouldn't want to watch that all the way through whereas like it's easier to watch a mini series a limited series and then be like okay that's eight hours of my life and i'm done and like i need to move on so yeah
1: i just also like the problem with like Netflix fatigue and like these actual like series is that the quality, I feel like the quality of these like the new Netflix shows coming out are just like diminishing like by the episode. There was a time when like Netflix actually had very, very few shows. The quality was good. Like the first season of House of Cards, I mean, it was a good show. It was a good season. First season of Orange is the New Black, its second series, it was a good show. Like, and I say the same thing with like, um, um bloodline i love bloodline the first season but like what i watch it today maybe not because there's just so much and i'm like like i, I don't know like there's this new show like out right now with like hillary swank like the one in space I, I don't even know what it's called but like away away yeah very,
0: very popular it's like still in the netflix top 10 i'm like really?
1: yeah and That's it's like a... it looks like a show that i should like really want to watch but i'm like do I want to get invested in this? Like, is it going to be good? Like, there's so much on Netflix. Like, like, I, I, I it just it holds me back.
0: Yeah, um, and this is like Netflix businesses. the Netflix business model is to like constantly get new subscribers. Yeah. Um, like that's the only way that they can grow. Which like of course they've grown a lot during COVID. But, um, like, and that's why Netflix shows get canceled after, like, three or four seasons, because you're not watching new shows. Like, you're not just going to casually pick up on Sabrina, like, the the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in three, because, like, you either watched it from the beginning or you didn't. So, um, they, like, the only way that they can do that is to build new like build new ip and like that's why they have new shows all the time and that's why they cancel them so frequently so like it's rare that a show goes past four three or four seasons on netflix yeah which is like kind of sad because like like i i watch a show to like commit to it
1: (laughs) yeah it's like are we gonna start seeing like (laughs) ads on Netflix soon because <laughs> they're gonna oh my around. god
0: I hope not um, because like that is one of that is the biggest um,
1: it'll be a huge turnoff for me
0: of, yeah exactly yeah. like that is a huge selling point for Netflix's no ads so
1: yeah I will like like I like go out of my way to avoid ads like yeah genuinely
0: so um, uh, so the other thing to come back, Seven wants to like touch on two things. Um, part of the reason that Shits Creek became so big is because they put their show on Netflix. It's a Canadian show. It's like produced by CBC and um, airs on Pop TV. But like, have you ever watched anything else on Pop TV ever? Um, I've
1: never heard of Pop TV.
0: Exactly, <laughs> uh, and they, uh, but they put their show on Netflix they put Shit's Creek on Netflix around like season three season four and then like that's how it started to get this like cult following which is why last year at the Emmys it got its like first ever Emmy nominations and then this year it like cleaned house and won um literally won everything (laughs) uh won like best comedy Best actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, writing and directing, which is the first time mm-hmm. ever in the history of the Emmys this has happened. So um, Netflix is a huge part of that. Um, I do watch Schitt's Creek. I haven't, um, I'm not caught up. Like, I haven't seen the season, the final season that won all the Emmys. Um, and this is the paradox of being a. Uh, critic, but um, I like Schitt's Creek. I wouldn't say it's like the best show of all time. (laughs) Like if you had to tell me like which Emmy or which TV comedy has like all those Emmys that I just listed, I would have never guessed Schitt's Creek in a million years (laughs) in the history of the Emmys. So um,
1: it hasn't caught my attention, but. (laughs) yeah it could be good
0: well like here's the paradox behind them winning so many emmys is that that actually shows weakness in a way because it shows like that all these other categories like weren't strong enough that like there was an individual performance or an individual writing or individual directing that like stood out enough for voters to vote for it um and that's because like this year it's a demonstrably weaker year for your comedy series and that's why i'm kind of like i don't care because i didn't have like another comedy series that i was like gung-ho and rooting for (laughs) um so like Barry um, wasn't a nominee this year and that's a show that's still airing and this is my semi-plug but uh, my other favorite comedy which just started its uh, season two which would have been my what are you watching otherwise is 1015. uh, A absolutely hysterical um, television show especially anybody who was in middle school in the year 2000 or 2001 <laughs> so um me. i know and that's when this like tv show takes place in middle school in 2000 and 2001 uh so highly recommend pen 15 and i hope it does really well at the end of next year when it's eligible again um and but like and veep is off the air now like that was nominated this last year and Um, like Fleabag one last year that's off the air. Like all these shows that are off the air aren't weren't eligible and like its biggest competition was the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So it's like it was like a toss up and so like they just like they're gonna reward the show that um, it's it's final season and it's like a likable show like but um, in terms of like greatness, I wouldn't put Shits Creek up in there. It's like hard to say, it's hard to say that like, I like a show, but it doesn't like deserve that much praise. So like that's yeah. what I'm trying to like get at. Like don't at me, Schitt's Creek fans. Like I promise I like your show. <laughs> so it's not, people can get very territorial behind these areas. I know, I know,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I well now I want to see Pen fifteen.
0: <laughs> I I think he I he heard about it. Heard I think you would it. like Pen fifteen. Um I really it really recommend Pen fifteen. Um it's it's one of the few shows that I like laughing at out loud if that makes like any sense i know we like use the term like lol in texting all the time but how many times are you actually laughing out loud when you say lol i'm like on the floor laughing at pen 15 because it is like so ludicrous and accurate of how life in the early 2000s was especially in middle school and just like the insanity of it all and how much like it doesn't make sense, but it was like still also like a lot of fun and like horrible, and it's just like it it adds all of those factors into like just like a really smart, hilarious and poignant like comedy, and it's 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 fantastic. Yeah. I, I know we already have like a lot of stuff for I, me watching, but I
1: need another show though to go back to like the days before. All of this.
0: <laughs> All of this.
1: Actually, the days before cell phones would be nice. But
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd well, Pen15. It's like, yeah. right up, right at the alley. Um, the,
1: the days of Nokia. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I definitely did not have a cell phone in I got
1: my first cell phone in 2001. It was um, one of those big, like, Nokia phones that you, like.
0: Played snake, snake on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how that was, like, both our reaction. Yeah.
1: Played snake, got yelled at for using my, uh, my minutes, my texting and when I accidentally hit the web browser. Oops.
0: Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Do you remember those web browsers? Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I don't think I used them. I don't think I had access to them. I am trying to remember why. Like, I just like, don't remember really going on the web on those things.
1: Yeah. Nobody does because they got... Yelled at for doing it, because it was literally like 50 seconds a
0: second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it would take like a gazillion seconds to load. Yeah. So
1: anyway, speaking of nostalgia, should we talk about Sherlock and Enola?
0: Sure. Yeah. Let's um I thought this would have been like a great transition because I was certain that um uh Helena Bottom Carter was going to win Best Supporting Actress um, for The Crown, mm. uh, but it went to Julia Garner, who I love, so um, I'm not upset at all. Uh, but uh, that was like Netflix's only win, uh, major win at least. And
1: did you watch Ozark the last season?
0: Um, uh, so this is going to be. This is gonna I, you and I differ. I'm not an Ozark fan. Oh, I love Ozark. I don't, I don't like Ozark.
1: I don't like the story, isn't like my favorite. I watch Ozark strictly for Julia Garner and Laura Lenny. Like I know, like those two are thing. outstanding. Like, I love
0: those two. I love those actresses. And I like wish them well, like all in the world, which is like why I'm happy that Julia Garner won. But I watched the first season of Ozark, and pretty much the only reason I kept watching was because of Julia Garner. And I just, like, thought Ruth was fantastic. But um, I've basically since just watched um, YouTube clips of great Ruth one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite of which is, this will get an E rating, of course, um, but is, I don't know shit about fuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> which I like use and want to use in daily conversation. <laughs> so, but like once I figured out that I could just like watch Ruth clips, that I was like, hey, I don't need to watch the whole show. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So there's also another really good performance in season three, which um, I think was overlooked by the Emmys in the supporting actor category, um, which was uh, Tom Pelfrey. He played Laura Linney's um, or Wendy, sorry, Wendy Bird's Brother, who brother? was like an addict. Right. Yeah. Brother, yeah, and he was he was like he was outstanding. Um,
0: yeah, I was surprised he wasn't nominated um, just from like buzz. But yeah, yeah, to.
1: he was he was outstanding, and like the only other thing I was like surprised like you. I, the only other thing I know him from is Iron Fist. He was um, one of the bad guys, um, but yeah, like he's like an unknown, and that like. That was like I think that was like my only thing. Like I was like yeah, holding back. Uh, was that he was like from a Marvel show, but he no, was so well, so good.
0: Well, if you talk about like the relative unknowns, it's like hard to break into the categories, which yeah. like is obviously isn't like right. Um, but yeah. like the politics of it all. Um, no, he caught my attention because I think he's like kind of attractive. Uh, <laughs> so. Mm.
1: And, um, just, well, you
0: couldn't say, that just rolled his eyes.
1: <laughs> so I think, I, well, I'm also kind of upset because he wasn't, um, he wasn't nominated. Uh, he won't be nominated again next season. I don't mean to spoil it for anyone, but he won't, he doesn't have another chance. So this was his only show. but I thought he was just so, so good. And um, yeah, I mean, if you want to take the, uh, if he's a nine or a 10, sure, you can appropriate that too. But <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. We've been going on about the Emmys for fun. Oh my god,
0: years. I know I could do like a long episode of the Emmys, um, but I thought Hallie Bottom Carter was going to win, and then she didn't, so I got to watch her in a Noel Holmes instead. Briefly. Briefly, yeah, she's, yeah. Not, she's not in a whole lot. Yeah, she plays the mother Adoria. I can't remember her name. I'm. I was trying to do that off memory. Um,
1: I don't know. I don't remember her name.
0: Yeah. Enola Holmes's mother, also Sherlock Holmes's mother, and Mycroft Holmes's mother. Yes. Um, yes, this is the... Uh, Eudoria. Eudoria. Eudoria, I was close. It was like thinking of euphoria the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or the whole time recording, at least. Um, so, yeah, this is based off a series not written by... Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, but a um, series, like a young adult book series that came out in the mid-2000s, speaking of 2000s nostalgia, uh, about Enola Holmes, the kid sister of the famous Sherlock Holmes, hence our question <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, um, who kind of has her own sort of adventures. Uh Separate of Sherlock Holmes, although he does appear in this movie also. Uh, but um, before we go into our deep dive, should we give our 10 words of I
1: forgot this week.
0: I, I literally forget all, it, which is <laughs> sad because it's part of our own episode. Yeah. Our own series. Um, but uh, do you want me to go first then? Sure. Uh, I kept trying to think of like a very British word to describe it. Um, so I'm actually going to go with my very first ever one-word review. So um, I'm calling it dashing.
1: That's very uh British. Very, very British of you. Yes. Very, yeah. very good.
0: It's like, it's a compliment. I, I, I like this movie.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess mine would be, where's the Watson cameo?
0: God, you're right. I never thought. <laughs> of... Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: <don't know. laughs> I was I looking know. for Watson the whole time. I'm like, where is he? <laughs> I
0: thought he'd show up at some point. Um, uh, in the inevitable. Spoiler sequel. alert
1: to your, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Enola and Watson, Jr. Anola <laughs> and Watson.
0: Enola
1: and Watson, Jr.
0: Okay. Um, well, before we get into our deep dive, should we, let's give like a spoiler alert. Um, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say spoiler alert uh, because <laughs> just in case we'd like talk anything about like the mystery and like the whole concept of the mystery is the ending, right? <laughs> like figure out like what happens at the end. So um, even though most of like my review and critique doesn't have much to do with the end, um, I will say like in case anything comes up we may spoil who the, who the bad guy was or something. Yeah. Like that or the end. So just a, just a heads up I would say. Spoiler alerts if you care a lot, get out now. Or just go on Netflix and watch it right now and then pause the episode and come back to us. So, you know, care in the future. Um, but I was like very charmed by this movie. <laughs>
1: yeah. So when I was done watching this movie, I was like, wow, this movie is like Killing Eve meets Fleabag. And then I looked up the director who has directed both Killing Eve and Fleabag? Absolutely. Yeah, so his name is um, Harry Bradbeer.
0: Bradbeer, yeah,
1: and uh, he directed, I think, all of the episodes of Fleabag.
0: Did he really? All, I do directed some. I didn't realize he did all of them. Wow.
1: He did all, a, a good chunk of it. I know he did. He did like at least ten episodes, if not. Yeah, there's only like what, like twelve episodes. Um, and yeah. then he also did he also did two episodes of Killing Eve. Um which is like a phenomenal, phenomenal show. And they're both obviously very British. Um, But like, it just like reminded me of like, like obviously like Enola is like a strong female character and in both Killing Eve and Fleabag, they have strong female characters. So I guess Harry Bradbeer knows what he's doing when it comes to strong female characters and breaking the fourth wall. Um, And I thought actually like breaking the fourth wall worked this time, like as opposed to like, when I just feel like it's done when it's done a lot or when it's done, it's done too much. And here I thought it was done tastefully and well and like it like served as like a narration, which I know like last week we talked about narration and how like annoyed we were about, at it. But like this in this movie, like for some reason it worked. And I, I really enjoyed like Enola's like breaking the fourth wall and like telling how we're advancing the plot and like it didn't make you feel like you were stupid.
0: Yeah. No, I was like, I was thinking about the exact same thing um, because like last week we talked about during the demo all the time, how much we hated the narration. And uh, it like, it really got me like thinking and, and we're really like we're reflecting. It's like, well, I don't hate narration, but it's, um, it's not something that's inherently bad. It's like how necessary it is. So this also ties into the TV show Euphoria like that we talked about too. Um, Cause uh, after Zendaya won, I was like went back and watched an episode of Euphoria, and Rue narrates like the entirety of Euphoria, and I think it really works in Euphoria. And I think it, I think the breaking the fourth wall in uh, Noel Holmes and Fleabag. Um, did they break the fourth wall in Killing Eve? I don't know. No, no,
1: they don't.
0: Okay, um, so. Um, Also like quick shout out for listeners in case you don't know. It's like breaking the fourth wall basically means like looking at the camera and talking to the audience. Yeah. It's like an imaginary wall because like movies are, or movies and plays are like supposed to be in a room, like a box and breaking the fourth wall means like you're breaking that extra wall that is in between the characters and the audience. Um, so, like, so that breaking of the fourth wall and narration, I think, like, really work in Euphoria and Noel Holmes because they are giving information that the viewer wouldn't have otherwise. And in The Devil All the Time, the narration was giving information that you could have figured out on your own. And, like, they, in these, in Noel Holmes, it's adding to the factor. It's like, it's, it's stuff like you wouldn't have figured out otherwise. So I think that's like really smart and like how it's able to work. And especially in the Noel Holmes, which is like a comedy, like it, like, it provides her to make like jokes too. Uh, and it's like, I thought those were sort of, like some of the funniest scenes um, in part because Millie Bobby Brown, I think is like fantastic <laughs> in this role. I think she's really, really good. Uh, so she's like able to make it like so funny. Uh, and it just like that's where it becomes dashing and charming for me is like in- yeah
1: Yeah, for me, I, I, I like I was gonna use the word charming. I think she is a very charming uh, personality. I, she is very much grown on me and especially in this role, uh, I thought it was a very very well done role. I think she, I thought she did a great job with it. And I, 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 I really feel like she may have gotten so she she had the same uh, not necessarily like TVMA worthiness of um, Fleabag, but she she definitely had like the uh, inspiration for there for breaking the fourth wall, and it was it was done very well, and I, it, it 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 reminded me of Fleabag a lot, um, and Phoebe Waller and I I I think she's. Um, who's done very well and I think she is great and I think she's, she's got a good career ahead of her, um, Millie Bobby Brown and-
0: Cause like most, pe- most people know her from Stranger Things where she's yeah. 11. But like, let's be honest, she doesn't have a whole lot to do on Stranger Things like because she barely talks. <laughs> and, like when she talks, it's in like broken English. So it's it's just like very much a stare at the camera sort of like performance. Yeah, Stranger Things, uh, and like look really intense. Um, but like here, she kind of gets to show off charisma. <laughs> so
1: yeah, well she's also you know she also started off in Stranger Things as like a kid and she was like a typical kid actor. It's like okay, you're fine. But she has really grown and turned into quite. I hate to say this. I sound like my dad. Quite the young woman. Um, and like she's developed herself as an actress and like a respectable, good actress. And I think she can only get better from here.
0: Yeah, totally. And like, this is just like the right, this is just like a real great career move for her too. Yeah. Number one, she's also a producer. Uh, so like she um, has producing credit on this movie. So she has plenty of creative say, or in theory, should have like plan, plenty of creative say um in the outcome yeah uh she is this is like still a very family friendly movie very family friendly um i would actually venture to say is like this is the exact type of movie i would want to watch with my family because um it's so like easy to get along with and like easy to follow and it's like not that complex. I don't know about your family, but my family tends to, like, ask a lot of questions in the middle of, like, a movie, and I'm, like, (laughs) uh,
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I I know how you feel. uh,
0: But, like, so, like, therefore, you need, like, an easy-ish movie to, like, watch with your family, but still, like, but complex enough where it like feels like you're doing work and like a mystery type movie like a Holmes story is like exactly this and so this is like a perfect perfect family movie so um so she's like able to like kind of sell that and like carry that essence of being like great for the whole family. <laughs>
1: yeah, and she also like kind of takes on her, like she kind of takes on her own ind- independence as mm-hmm. um, the character of Enola, takes on her own ind- independence as like a spy in and of herself. She doesn't need to rely on like Sherlock or, or whoever she can, well, in this movie they take her in a direction of like kind of creating her own personality or her own person. And that's kind of the theme of the whole movie, right? It's like, you know, be an individual, you know, create your own path, don't rely on, don't rely on others, as we see at the yeah. end.
0: Um, that is... Um,
1: and I, I enjoyed that part, I, yeah, I, yeah. I like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so like to set the stage, um, Enola is much younger than her brothers who are Sherlock Holmes and Mycroft. Um, so she's just turned like 16 and she has a closer relationship with her mother and her mother played by Helena Bottom Carter um kind of like does these sort of like untraditional things for a Victorian woman in Victorian England in like the 1800s like they um they do like archery together martial arts and like play chess uh all these things so um so she doesn't so Enola like doesn't fit the doesn't check off the box of like a typical Victorian woman again, this is why the fourth wall breaks like really work because when she's in public, like she has to act a certain way, but when she breaks the fourth wall, she's like able to let down that guard and show them uh so that's like the whole embrace yourself, embracing individuality aspect of it, of like, be, be a person, like, do what you want to do sort of thing. Um, so my one, this is where we'll, we'll get into a little bit of spoilers. Um, my one minor criticism of this too is we never really see Enola um interact or treat like traditional Victoria women in a certain way, like if like the whole idea is like embrace yourself, like be yourself sort of thing, then in in a way the like Victorian femininity is also like being yourself. Like what if people want to do that? And like what if there's someone who wants to be traditional Um, in that sense instead of untraditional Um, and the like the one person the one female character other than her um, other than her mom that she ends up befriending um, is like somebody who we think is untraditional Um, again spoilers coming ahead Um, but she ends up being the villain a villain So it's kind of like, because she was like this, like traditional feminist. So it's like this sort of, or not, sorry, not traditional feminist, this traditional Victorian woman. Um, So it's kind of like, it's still like in a slight way perpetuates this like us versus them narrative where it's kind of like, um, whereas uh, ideologically individuality should just be about you do you like, you want to be traditional, be traditional. If you want to be untraditional, be untraditional. So um, so it's kind of like a paradox there, but um, that's, that's my like minor criticism again, because this is like a kid's movie and like these are not, that like whole sequence that I just list, listed out is not Heavy handed at all um, it's like it's this kind of stuff is like all sort of forgivable, I think in the scheme of things and the scheme of the whole movie but um, but like in terms of like familyness like individuality, like go team <laughs> so yeah I don't yeah know, well, I- thoughts about all that my again this is a man describing. I'm a man describing what feminism in Victoria, England is about. But
1: yeah, I didn't really.
0: I clearly don't know anything about that.
1: I didn't really catch up on that. I, I, I kind of took it as more of the sense of like, in not not in terms of like, like everyone has their own individuality, but like I kind of saw like you don't have to be traditional. Like you don't have to be that. You can yeah. You can be yourself. Yeah. So I. I didn't. I didn't criticize it for that reason, but I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's. I would guess it's like less of a criticism than a like pointing out sort of thing. Like right. headmistress of the school, like Fiona Shaw is this like stern woman, and all the other girls in the school are kind of like mean girls. So, uh,
1: speaking, speaking of, <laughs> there's. <laughs> a lot of um, Harry Potter and Killing Eve alumni. <laughs> uh, who,
0: else, who, who else in Harry Potter? Well, so Fiona Shaw. Um, so,
1: Fiona Shaw. Is, you have, have, is in
0: both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you have Madame Maxine, who's uh, um, Frances de la Tour. She's the Dowager, the old, the old lady. Yeah. That's Madame Maxine. Uh, and Helena uh, Von Carter.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Out of here. I mean, like, take any British movie.
1: I know. It's a very. Very heavy uh, Harry Potter episode today.
0: I know. Oh my God! Maybe Harriet could be played by uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown.
1: Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Well, I think we'd have to start her if we're going to go yeah. full younger. Younger. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um. But yeah, a lot of Harry Potter alums. A lot of it was good to see Fiona Shaw. I love Fiona Shaw. I love her. I know. Oh,
0: I she know. Was great. Yeah, me too.
1: She she could just like stand there on the screen and like not do anything, and I'd be like, "Oh, that was amazing." Yeah, she could play a wall. <laughs> Read the film. Deserve an Oscar. Yeah.
0: Um, Read the what did you think of Henry Cavill Superman as Sherlock? Forgettable. It's like he's um, like. Want to be clear? This is very much Enola's movie, yeah. <laughs> so. He's in it, but like he's a side character for sure. Yeah. I know he was
1: like supposed to play some kind of like, um, like some, some kind of role model to Enola or like, a, like the big brother person. Her and him and Stan Claflin, who's kind of like the opposite of. They kind of villainized um, Minecraft, uh, and which I kind of didn't like, but I, I think. Sherlock could have played a bigger role because he, he was very background. Um, but again, at the same time, I'm kind of contradicting myself here. I did like that it, he wasn't kind of like the focus of the movie. So you can go either way there with him. He, he can, anyone can play Sherlock in this, in this role. I mean, Henry Cavill, okay, fine. He was fine. Um, it just, it's all about like the role that Sherlock plays in the story. And I think he did fine with them. He did fine with it, but again, forgettable.
0: Yeah, it's like an, it's an interesting take because the character of Sherlock Holmes is a clear asshole for, (laughs) for lack of a better word. Like he's mean, like there's no way around it. And, um, but in this movie, he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. He's, like, actually very nice and very warm and loving to Enola, which is, like, used to play against Mycroft, who is, like, the curmudgeon of the two and, like, stick to the rules um, and send Enola to um, boarding school or wherever. Uh, And um, so, like, this is, like, the first sort of Sherlock Holmes that I've seen where he is like playing a like lighter more compassionate um, Sherlock so it's like at least it's it's interesting in that sense of like oh there's this different sort of character um fun yeah. act the uh uh Arthur uh, I can never say his name Arthur, Arthur Conan, Conan Doyle. Doyle yeah um the estate of Arthur Conan Doyle is uh, suing Netflix over this movie. Um, Really? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that. Please enlighten Because of the depiction of Sherlock Holmes. Oh. It's, uh, this gets, like, very convoluted and legal, like, very quickly. But it has to do with, like, the, um, the books that are and aren't in, um, the public domain of Sherlock Holmes. Like some of them are in public domain, and some of them aren't. And the estate is claiming that this book or this movie took the um, the personality traits of the Doyle books that aren't in the public domain and put them on film, meaning they didn't have the right to do this without permission. So
1: yeah.
0: uh, so it's interesting to see like where this guy's and I'm no like lawyer and I don't know anything about public domain and how that changes like fictional character personalities, but like it's like oh shit, like that's like, yeah they're they're not gonna
1: yeah no the the Arthur Conan Doyle estate is not going to win that one. Netflix has the right to make Sherlock. Uh, any 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 studio has the right to make Sherlock use creative uh, means as they will their own creative means as they will. Like they don't have to stick to one Arthur Conan Doyle version of Sherlock. Like that's that's so ridiculous. I, like I could make like if I got the rights to some like. To, to to like Luke Skywalker, and I wanted to make him like a villain or something. I'm I'm using Luke Skywalker, yeah, like yeah, yeah. like who who like the last like, yeah, it's like George Lucas going to sue me because I'm because it's not like the new like the Star Wars first movie version. Like that makes no sense to me. I'm uh, sorry, I I don't get that. But
0: yeah, no, this is I mean, like, who, this is built off a former case, like the original case was one that actually split the the books like up it was like i think there's like basically like, a 10-year period this is based off very cursory knowledge so there's like a 10-year period of Doyle books that like are okay to that the estate is okay to like lay claim to and that was like what the previous case decided so now this like future case has to do with like and it has to do with emotions for some reason. I like don't understand it. I am um, <laughs> yeah. not, not a lawyer and I don't know, understand how emotions of a fictional character again, like work, yeah. uh, I think. So I won't be surprised like either way, no matter what like, happens of this uh, case. I just thought it was like an interesting uh, footnote. That it's a, uh, yeah. Being sued over over the depiction of Sherlock Holmes.
1: So. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. Um, but like it's it's a, you can tell like it. I I think you can tell it's like a different version of Sherlock Holmes than we're, that we're we're used to seeing. Um. Also, Henry Cavill is fucking huge. He's like he is a football player and a half, <laughs> and so it's like he's. Physically, Im- like imposing, and it's like weird to watch Sherlock Holmes like that. <laughs> uh, so
1: yeah, he although he doesn't, I've actually seen him in person. Um, I've like been close to him. He he seems. Oh, very, have
0: you? I oh. have. I have. I have.
1: Oh, you've um, been close
0: to Henry Cavill. Oh. Well,
1: um, friend of the pod, Beth got his, her <laughs> selfie with him. So, uh, <laughs> um, but he seems like a very like his physique is. It doesn't seem out of the ordinary. I guess compared to Millie Bobby Brown, he's huge. Um, but I also he's
0: Superman.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, not for much longer. He also said he's not going to be doing the reshoots for Joss Whedon, by the way. Um, for for um, Zack Snyder. Zack
0: Snyder. Yeah, Zack. Snyder.
1: Um. So anyway, uh, I actually thought like this movie could have done without Minecraft and Sherlock, and it would have been just fine. Do you feel that way at all?
0: I guess, I think like, I guess- they Like were- a
1: mention of Sherlock would be good, but like, I, I really don't think he was necessary, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, my guess is that like, they probably put them there to like, as like a selling point.
1: Yeah, Sam Cl- Sam Claflin as Minecraft like, was kind of, a, kind of annoyed me a little bit. I didn't like how they made his character and I, I thought he just kind of like got in the way of the story um and it could have like it could have gotten along fine just without him i i don't know i maybe i'm not a sam claflin fan but i just i didn't see the necessity for him they could have created something else entirely without him
0: being there so Um, also sam claflin is three years younger than Henry Cavill in real life, and he plays the older brother here. But I also kind of bought it. It was, like, weird. And then it was, like, a kind of, like, depressing stage, like, depressing for Sam Claflin sort of way. It's like, oh, well, you're at the point in your career where you're going to be playing, like, middle-aged men, and Henry is going to be playing, like... 30 year olds for a while, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, Henry Cavill's going all in on The Witcher now.
0: Oh, yeah, no, another Netflix. There's so many Netflix people, I know. Uh, between The Crown, The Witcher, and Stranger Things.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, Netflix is like going forward like during COVID filming The
0: Witcher right now, and it's I'm, I'm like, whoa. So, so this movie is like 100% gonna have a sequel and. It's based off a book series that was six books long, and this one was based off the first book in that series. So, like, they have room for five more sequels.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, to call back to our episode on, like, something like The Old Guard, uh, where my complaint was, I was like, oh, well, the sequel seems more interesting than what this movie was. Even though I kind of like The Old Guard, it was okay. Um, Whereas I really genuinely liked this one. And my thought is like, yeah, I'd watch a sequel to that. Like, that sounds good. And they like leave some open ends, like with the mother, with Hell in the Bottom Carter. Uh, so, um, so I'm kind of like, I, I feel that this movie earned a sequel in the sense that it made like a good, interesting movie that stands on its own without having to watch the sequel. But yeah. I want to watch the sequel and that sounds appealing to me. And like, that's the way that I think movies in general should be, so.
1: Yeah, well, that's the goal, right? Make a good yeah. enough one to make you keep wanna, keep wanting more.
0: Yeah, but I feel like, I, I think there's a lot of people who are trying to launch franchises these days that the promise of a better movie is like more appealing in some ways than the actual movie itself. Um, yeah, so. I,
1: I would watch a series of this. I think it would be a good series on Netflix. Like yeah. eight episode, 45, you know. I think it would be a good, good show, I'd watch it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: They'd be wanting more. That way you could like incorporate more Sherlock and more of Minecraft or give them a bigger role. but
0: Or have them peer periodically instead. Yeah. Of- yeah, I guess because elementary is that's still on there? Um, that show on CBS with Lucy. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I know I like this is like how much I watch network TV, um, uh, but I don't know. Maybe that was like a reason why. Isn't there also a show called Sherlock too? It's like that's like a weird sort of thing. It's like it's like an event show it's not like a tv series because oh oh yeah that's like one of those like doctor who things right yeah or the doctor who's like definitively a series i think but it's like it's it's bbc thing so they have like movies but every year like one movie a year roughly type of thing so um so like yes it's episodic but also not really <laughs> so it's it's one of those things it's hard to say um mm-hmm. but that's what the era of streaming has done to us is it a movie is it a tv show is it both <laughs> so, <laughs> is is it a mini series and does it qualify <laughs> i know yeah we're gonna have this question next year with steve mcqueen Man, he's like releasing five movies um, on Amazon Prime, and but it's all under one series called Small Acts, and so it's kind of like a question of is this a series or is this five movies? So like no one, yeah. no one has the answer to that question. It's just its own thing right now. So yeah. I have a feeling it's
1: going to be like five shorts, like not like in shorts the way we think about them, but like half hour, forty five minute like short movies. Like oh no,
0: it's like they're like they're being aired right now at the New York Film Festival. They're 2 hour movies (laughs) what yeah yeah oh my god there are like five of them though yeah so
1: um, how much i've been following the film festivals this year (laughs) not at all
0: because i like Uh, didn't think they were going to happen but i guess they are like yeah they're like virtually and drive-ins so yeah um so i really haven't
1: been paying attention to anything this year at all like in terms of like sports or movies or anything it's just like ugh everything's got everything's just flipped, turned upside down. Like in a usual, typical year, I'd be like all over the film festival circuit, but this year I'm like, mm.
0: because um, even when they get picked up, they don't know when they're going to be released, and it is not by mistake that Netflix out of the film festival is buying a lot of these movies. Netflix has spent so much money at these film festivals to like air a lot of air a lot of these movies, which will come out in like the next four three four months and down the road too but it's because like to put it bluntly like they're kind of taking advantage of the pandemic and they're thinking about awards and the oscars aren't airing until april this year so if they can stretch the amount of quality movies that come out in between now and april Like they have a good shot of winning a bunch of Oscars and like judging by the movies that they're picking up, like they very well could. And it's not by mistake that we've been covering a lot of Netflix shows as of late because there are no movies in theaters, Uh, but um, Netflix knows all this and they're taking, taking advantage of this. Um, So, so they're they're picking up a lot. So we'll be seeing a lot of these movies. Small Axe is going to be on Amazon Prime soon, I think November. Yeah.
1: But my question is, like, is it a, like, yes, it's good for awards, but is it good from a monetary standpoint for Netflix? Like, you're not gonna pick up more subscribers just by picking up, just by like getting, purchasing um, like award season contenders. Cause like, for all of us who are like, you know, Oscar nerds and like wanna see like awards movies, we already have Netflix. Like, we already have, like, we already have Netflix for the Irishman, we already have Netflix for like Marriage Story. Like, I don't think it's going to get them any more subscribers. Um, But, I mean, I guess during the pandemic, it might. I don't know. Who knows?
0: Well, it's... it's, I just... I mean, it's two different, like, two different sides of the coin. I mean, so, like, a Netflix feature film ranges from everything from The Kissing Booth 2 to... (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, to to Marriage Story and Roma and The Irishman. Like, Mm. I mean, for every small, like, independent-ish movie, there's, like, one that, like, does bring in, like, a lot of viewers. Like, The Kissing Booth. So, um, it's, like, it's two different, you know, sides of the thing. I mean, like, talk about, like, indie movies. Same thing with, like, indie studios. Like, are they making, like, bank? off these like small movies that win awards not really but they um are getting like a hell of a lot of respect and there's they stay in business so yeah so it's it's just like a different it's it's like a different side of the coin but it's the same coin nonetheless
1: yeah i'm gonna tell you in 10 years disney and netflix are gonna just have a monopoly over the entire entertainment industry I mean, they already do essentially.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, yeah,
1: it's like you have two choices. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that's that's capitalism.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just don't know where we're gonna go from here. Anyway, <laughs> back to anols. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's um,
0: that's mostly it for me. Um, I've uh, yeah, I, it was clear that like I enjoyed this movie and yeah look forward to the sequel it's like good even when we're talking about award stuff like this is good fun break because like i knew this wasn't going to be an awards movie when i put it on <laughs> so it's not like i had high expectations of a like serious drama but i didn't want it to be either
1: yeah uh i knew like i knew obviously like pretty much what i was getting into and it was exactly what i expected and I enjoyed it. I mean, it was, it was cute. It was charming. It was, uh, you know, I, I wish, um, uh, again with the plot, I wish it kind of condensed a little bit more, but other than that, I mean, that's like, you know, a a very small criticism. Um, it, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and you know, if you're looking for a break from COVID or the world in general, it's a nice hour and a half escape.
0: It's like two hours closer. Definitely over two. I think it's like two hours and like three minutes, something like uh, okay. that.
1: Um, yeah. But
0: like it, it flies by. It's not. It's it a does. Breezy, breezy movie. Yeah,
1: And you know, if I ever get depressed again from, you know, life, I might put it on again. <laughs>
0: yeah. way As you... It's alone spelled backwards, in case Anola didn't tell you eight times. In the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: oh, shout out! There's also um, an, another girl or woman in the movie I I hadn't heard of, um, Susan Wacoma, who plays Edith. I thought she was really good. I thought she was really funny. She's like Anola's trainer. She's like,
0: like oh, yeah. Oh my god, I recognize her. She's in this um, this Netflix. Uh, show, it may have been a BBC production too, uh, Chewing Gum, where mm-hmm. she was, um, Michaela Cohen, who from uh TV show I May Destroy You, also great show, um, and I may save that for a future What Are You Watching, um, but uh, she was like her sister on that show, and that's yeah. a great, yeah, she's, she's great. Also, yeah, I
1: thought she was really funny. I thought she had some really good one-liners. Yeah, um,
0: yeah she's is very good also you know for victorian uh victorian england um it's at least good to have one person of color in your movie
1: <laughs> i know um yeah i thought she was good yes yeah. so, all right that's it for me i don't have. i guess
0: yeah same same uh, glad to talk about this uh more some more hit us up if you'd you'd like to know more
1: yes it's like i want to give like a rating to it i want to like i i want to give it like between a three and a half and a four out of five want gonna give it like a 3.75 you
0: know so oh my gosh i don't want to get this like (laughs) too much but i like really struggle with the idea of ratings because i think it sort of belittles the whole idea of criticism it's like it just it just like reduces like a very thoughtful nuance takes to a number. And the, like, I don't think that's like what film criticism is kind of like represents or any sort of criticism. Um, but at the same time, it makes things easy. So like, I understand the purpose. Um, yeah. so.
1: It's kind of like a TLDR, like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I too struggle with the idea of giving starred readings. You know who else did? Roger Ebert. He didn't mm-hmm. like it either. So,
1: two thumbs up. Yeah. One thumb up.
0: Two thumbs up.
1: Two thumbs up for Roger Ebert's life. Yeah. I miss him.
0: Uh, same. Great guy. Um, but yeah, yeah, I totally enjoyed Anola Holmes. Um, should we talk about what we're doing next week?
1: yeah I guess I will kick it off um so next week's episode is going to be uh actually a movie that I'd heard of a long time ago and I put it on my like what I thought was going to be a best picture list in 2019 but I guess it got delayed over and over again um I think we're doing so next week we are doing um the glorious which is premiering where is it premiering at?
0: Amazon Prime. Amazon
1: Prime. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's a kind of a timely movie to watch. Uh, women's rights movement. Uh, but this movie is obviously, it's about um, glory, the life and times of Gloria Steinem. And uh, it's very timely with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. Um, Supreme court justice that just died last Friday, which is still hard to, come off of my tongue um say but yeah. Right. yeah yeah it's hard to um, say all that.
0: yeah but, it's plural yeah. because it takes place at two different points in her life yeah is the, it
1: three I thought,
0: maybe i mean maybe there's like one with the childhood but like it's the two main characters are alicia vikander, not characters actresses are um alicia vikander and um uh um, Julianne Moore. Moore. Like almost couldn't remember her name. I always have
1: yeah. problems with Julianne Moore's name. Always, yeah. I was like the redhead from Still Alice, <laughs> always, <laughs> and the Lost World. Um, uh, yeah. So,
0: shit.
1: yeah. So it's like Mrs. America the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, it like, came out like the same year. As Mrs. America. I know. Um, so. Maybe that's
1: why I got pushed back because like Mrs. America came out.
0: Yeah, it premiered at Sundance uh, back in the winter this year. Yeah. Uh, so, but um, yeah, um, we're doing it. It's directed by Julie Timor, who um, is like known for a very like visual, um, almost like psychedelic type of movies. So, uh, so should be interesting. Um, and we also, because like we've been doing a bunch of Netflix movies and Spoiler alert, we have a lot of Netflix movies on the docket, as we mentioned. Um, taking a break and doing another streaming service, Amazon Prime. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know, like it it should be, I don't know what I'm going to think of it. I could see myself going either way, so uh, Yeah,
1: we'll see. I, love, I don't know. I've...
0: I love Alicia Vikander. I have, I'm a horrible gay, but I have mixed feelings on Julian Moore, um, but I love Elise and Kenner. So I'm going
1: to go into it with um, skeptical optimism.
0: Good, it's good, good way to approach it. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. All right. Oh, and before we leave tonight, um, there is a movie oh. I want. To, <laughs> there is a movie I want to shout out, and um, Hetty Moran, who is in. Um, Enola Holmes is in another Sherlock Holmes movie, which I absolutely adore. And I know a lot of people um, have very mixed feelings on it. But um, Mr. Holmes with uh, Ian McKellen. um, I actually really, really love that movie. Uh, I don't
0: even know that movie. Oh, my God,
1: it's so good. Um, It's about Sherlock Holmes as like a really old guy.
0: (laughs) Don't say.
1: Yeah, (laughs) like getting dementia and like dying (laughs) off.
0: Um, oh, well, that got yeah. dark very quickly. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> well,
1: it starts off very lighthearted, but then gets very, very dark. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of the theme of Sherlock. So, <laughs> it's uh, it's very good. I suggest checking it out. Um, just if we're on, like, the Sherlock Holmes kick, I just wanted to shout that out real quick. So, it's Mr. Holmes. Came out in 2015.
0: There's uh, a gazillion Sherlock Holmeses. Uh, yeah. Um,
1: but if you want to see, like, Ian McKellen at, like, that. his finest, like... Yeah. Watch, watch this. It's really good. Oh, so,
0: cool. well, I will look that up.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess if there's, do you have anything else?
0: No, except for me.
1: Well, all right. Well, that's it from us, I guess. Um, but we'd love to hear more from you. Let us know what you think of the podcast and let us know what you thought of Enola Holmes. If you get the chance to watch um, and be sure to vote in our poll this week for the question we asked at Top of the episode, what famous character would you most like to see a spinoff series of featuring their younger sister? (laughs) I think that's (laughs) the question is like ridiculous, but it's it fits for the the podcast. Um, So send us your answers.
0: Yeah. Harry Potter versus (laughs) versus (laughs) Kate (laughs) Gatsby.
1: We've made up Um, names. Or send us your own answers uh, if ours aren't good enough for you. And uh, you can also find us, you can, but you can both vote on Twitter at repeat step pod and Facebook at facebook.com slash Stephen repeat pod. We'll put up polls there um, or send us an email at stephanrepeatpod at gmail.com. You can also find more of our our reviews on the Letterboxd app, Andrew's at a shine. And as always, I'm at mgrant1219. And please spend a few seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. New reviews help us find new listeners. And if you drop a, re- a review, we promise to read your reviews live on the air. And if you give us a five-star review, we will give you a we'll give you a sixty-second 60 second review of any film of your choosing. Um, so until next time, thank you so much for listening. And I think I speak for Andrew when I say that it's an honor just to be considered.
0: Wait, wait, can we? Oh, sorry. I have one more thing that, because this has been such a Harry Potter episode, I forgot to mention, I can't believe I forgot this. And Noah Holmes was written by Jack Thorne, who is the writer of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the play that wow. came out. Sorry, and then like just came to me. <laughs> very last second. Uh, so I thought like, not, that should be mentioned. That's, so
1: that's a good tidbit. Well, thank yeah. you for that, Andrew. Now, if you'll <laughs> let me finish,
0: I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. But first, <laughs> I think I speak for Andrew when I say it's
1: an honor just to be considered.